Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 79. I'm your host, Alex Kavtov. I'm going to bring in my partner, Ed Hunt, very shortly. We're going to start with Heisman Talk, Ed. We had to check in here and, and find out who is leading the, this race for, for the Heisman Trophy this year. So let's start at the top, Ed. Um, I'm sure you've got Jalen Hurts leading the charge at, at number one right now. Yeah, I definitely have Jalen Hurts leading the charge at this point right now. I think I think he's so dangerous as a college quarterback because he, he can basically step back and throw, and he has been throwing more accurately. And then, and then he can turn. He can turn forward and run, and he can, you know, he can pick up ten yards, twelve yards. I mean, it's not just. It's not just like he's taking what the defense gives him. He's he's making the defense pay for not spying on him, you know, for not leaving a couple linebackers spying on him. So he's he's almost the Oklahoma offense is almost impossible to to defend at this point. No, it really is. It really is. I think it's impossible to you know defend. It, it doesn't matter who you have a quarterback out there. Uh, it seems like uh, Lincoln O'Reilly should get all the credit there, but um, the quarterbacks are making it work. Uh, let's. We decided to do a top five. So you have Jalen Hurts at number one. Who are the, the top contenders who are chasing Jalen Hurts right now? Well, I think you have to have Joe Burrow in the conversation from LSU. I think he's really stepped up. You know, went from being a late-round pick to a first-round quarterback. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely a you know, accurate passer. Um, he's a little different than a lot of Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. You know, he's a little different than, you know, Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts. And uh, I guess I'm already <laughs> the card before the hearse calling Jalen Hurts, but he's different than Kyler Murray. So, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to say Joe Burrow. Another one I'd go with is uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State. Ohio State has had a great year. They haven't really been tested, but I think, I think he's had a great year. There's um, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, who's there, and uh, you know he, he's the best running back. And you know, unfortunately, this is a hard this is a hard award to win if you're not a quarterback or a running back. It's even harder if you're. It's also hard if you're a running back. So I mean, it's pretty much it's been a quarterback's award. And so, um, but Jonathan Taylor has been great. And the last guy, obviously, is Tua Tung Viola, and I think he's a little bit higher up, even though I mentioned him last. I think he's probably, you know, second or third on the Heisman Trophy list. So, um, you know, Tua Tua's injured, and so that that kind of that kind of puts him behind the eight ball as far as winning. But um, you know, it could all change. It could all change on that November 9th game against LSU. All right, according to Bavada Sportsbook, they've got Joe Burrow is the hands-on favorite right now for the Heisman Trophy, the plus 125. And they've got Jalen Hurts uh, chasing him at number two. They've got him at plus 190, and then Tua is at plus 400. So those are the top three contenders, according to Bovada Sportsbook. Um, You know, my list is pretty much the same, Ed. I agree with you. Hurts, Burrow, Tua, um, obviously... Obviously, Fields has got to be in the conversation, uh, but I've got Justin Herbert, Ed. Um, I just I feel like he is he's just not getting the respect that he deserves. Look, 
Right now, first of all, Oregon is a winning team right now. Um, obviously, they lost the o- on opening weekend against Auburn, but they're 6-1. and one. They beat a really good Washington team. We all know that Washington is always tough defensively. In the third quarter, Oregon was trailing them by 14 points, and Herbert showed guts. I mean, he showed that in a hostile environment against the Huskies, you know, 70,000 people yelling from the stands, a good defense, and he was able to lead them to to a win, 35-31. to This was the win that he needed. This was the win that Oregon needed. So in my opinion, his numbers look really good. He's almost thrown for 2,000 yards. 21 touchdowns, only one interception. He's completing 68% of his passes. And the Oregon Ducks look like the favorite to to come out of the Pac-12 North to represent in the Pac-12 championship game. So in my opinion, Herbert should be in the top five, especially after his, uh, his performance last week. What do you think about that? You know, I've liked Herbert for a while, and I think, you know, the fact is is that he was a one-score, you know, it was a one-score game against Auburn, and ever since he lost that game on national television early, people have been down on Herbert, but to be honest with you, I mean, he, he's been undefeated since, I mean, he's, th- there's a really good chance that Oregon wins the, the Pac-12, um, you know, I think, I, especially the Pac-12 North, I think it's like, I think it would be. I think it'll be very hard for Washington to come back and win the Pac-12 North. So, I mean, the South is not as strong as the North. So, I mean, the Oregon looks pretty primed to win the Pac-12. They did lose that game to Auburn, but Auburn Auburn really won by one by one score. I think. I think you know. I I mean, I've heard a little bit of a narrative that Justin Herbert isn't having as good of a season, but I agree totally with you. I think he's had a good season. I, I'm, you know, I, I expected him to light it up. I mean, really extremely light it up, but I would say he's had a good enough season and he's definitely in the first round category or so early, mentioned... early first round category too. Not, not, not like, you know, not like, you know, 20 or 25 or something like that. Like, you know, in the, in the five to tens or one to fives. I would say top three, top five. Um, let's talk about Tua. You mentioned that already. Obviously he's going to miss it seems like one game for sure. He had a surgical procedure to repair his injured ankle, and he had the same thing last year. It was just, basically he had the same injury, he's just on the opposite angle, and he was injured last season. So it seems like he's gonna miss next week's game, this week's game, against Arkansas. But Alabama, everything that they're saying, they expect them to make a speedy recovery. Um, they've got Arkansas this week. They've got a bye week, and it seems like everything that I've read from the coaching staff, from the training staff, everything coming out of Alabama, it seems like they expect to a back against against LSU in a few weeks. So if if Tua comes back and he's not even 100, percent he has a huge game against LSU. That that's going to put him again in the top three category for the Heisman, I'm sure he's going to be the favorite going forward after that. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the Heisman race is going to be dependent on this LSU-Alabama game. And I think it's going to be, I think it's almost like the play-in game for the college football playoff. Sure, both teams could get in. But I mean, this 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 really decides. I think the winner of this LSU Alabama game, I think that pretty much cements you in the college football playoff. Well, before we jump ahead, LSU has got a big game this weekend. Uh, they're playing against Auburn, and Bovada has LSU as minus eleven in this game. They're the favorites against Auburn. 
Uh, could LSU be looking ahead and have a hiccup here against a talented Auburn team? Uh, is that possible, Ed? You know, I really liked what I've seen from LSU, and I don't, I don't think they've, I don't think they've looked ahead on anybody. And Auburn's not the type of team you look ahead on. Um, you know, I do, I do think that. I do think that LSU is favored by 11 points, and that's a little bit. I mean, if I if I'm a betting man, I'm probably gonna take the under and and go with the underdog in there, and I'm gonna go with Auburn because I don't think LSU is gonna cover because I think it's gonna be a good game. But I think they're both very good teams. But I like what I've seen from LSU. I think they've had some gritty wins in situational football, and so there's no reason for me to believe that LSU won't win this game. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, you mentioned, is the only non-quarterback in the Heisman Trophy race. He's not going to win it. Obviously, he's still putting up huge numbers. But a huge hiccup for Wisconsin was losing to Illinois. I mean, that was huge. We were all thinking that Wisconsin was going to be on, it was going to be rolling, playing against Ohio State. But it seemed like they've got a huge game, obviously, this week against the Buckeyes. But it seemed like they were looking ahead because, I mean, the Badgers lost to Illinois. Yeah, that that is a bad loss, and you know, it really it really was like a last second field goal. I mean, so I'm not I'm not gonna say that you know the Badgers are done, but I, I just I I don't know I don't know if you know I just don't see the path for them to to win to win the Big Ten. Um, you know, they have to play Ohio State this week, and Ohio State has been rolling, and so I I really I mean. To, to see them to see them win is I think they they could lose this game but then if they if they win the Big Ten title game against Ohio State then I think that would be their only shot at the college football playoff but other than that and they and they have to run the table after after uh, their their Ohio State loss so I mean this game this game won't determine it but it, it's 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 it just doesn't look good because I just I I don't like I don't like I don't like Wisconsin going up against Ohio State. I think Ohio State's a better team. I think Justin Fields is an elite quarterback. And I think, you know, Ohio State is just recruits better and is a better program. Well, Ohio State is a better program, but I'm going to make a huge statement. And um, Ohio State is, uh, according to Bovada, uh, the Buckeyes are the favorites in this game against Wisconsin, which is not a surprise. Minus 14.5. But I think the Badgers win this week. I think the the Buckeyes have not faced a team like Wisconsin. Wisconsin can run the ball down their throat. They've always done this, and they can do it this year as well. And they're going to do it this week with their offensive line, with Jonathan Taylor. They're going to rely on it. It's not going to surprise a lot of people. This is what the Badgers want to do. They want to control the clock. They want to run it down opponent's uh, throat. And they want to score touchdowns on the ground and play good defense. I think they're going to be able to do it this week. I think the Buckeyes are going to have a hiccup, and it's going to happen. It just Right now, it looks like a, a statement that's a little bit out of this world, especially after the Badgers lost to Illinois. But I think that's going to motivate them a lot more, losing to the fighting Illini and coming back against the Buckeyes this week. They're going to be ready. The Buckeyes have always played Ohio State tough, and I think it's going to happen this year. I think they're going to pull off a, a close win against the Buckeyes. That's an interesting take. I, I, I definitely think the Ohio State's going to win this game. I think Ohio State's looked great this year. Let's talk about the big disappointment in the Big Ten because we had Michigan in the college football playoff. They, we, you and I, thought they were going to win the Big Ten. They were going to get into the college football playoff because 
They, they had a good team. Boy, were we wrong. I mean, they continue to lose big games. And um, I just, I, I think we, we're throwing in the towel on the Wolverines, right? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to win against Notre Dame. I mean, they have a close line. And you know what, if I'm... If I'm a gambler, I'm I'm going with I'm gonna go with Notre Dame. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the points and or you know I'm you know lay the points and you know pick the favorite and I think Notre Dame wins this week and uh, you know America's happy. <laughs> America is happy. I, I right, guess I um, shouldn't say something outrageous like that. There's probably a lot of Michigan fans who probably don't like to hear that. A lot of Michigan fans. I, now Bavada has Notre Dame as minus one. Um, against Michigan and so it's going to be interesting obviously it's a close game and um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens but god Michigan has has been brutal I mean they've really struggled and the expectations were sky high and I I'm just I feel sorry that I picked them not only to get to the college football playoff but even have a chance in the Big Ten because that's certainly not looking like it um, I, I thought that Patterson was uh, was gonna thrive in this new offensive system. It's just it's not happening, and uh, Michigan has just been brutal. I mean, they really have been. Um, yeah, I hope you know Harbaugh is gonna leave for the NFL because uh, I'm sure somebody is waiting for him there. Um, yeah, that's uh, those seems to be the the big games, and obviously we mentioned at the top of the show that Jalen Hurts is our favorite for the Heisman. Uh, he's the clear-cut guy for us. It's going to be unprecedented if third third straight year Oklahoma quarterback takes the Heisman Trophy Award. Obviously, he still has a long way to go, but we decided to put him under the the scouting microscope. Um, Jalen Hurts has been receiving a lot of attention ever since uh, transferring from Alabama. Uh, obviously, he's got one year at Oklahoma, and he's having the year of his life. He has become a better passer, and there's been a lot of talk that Jalen Hurts could sneak into the first round, especially with the success that some running quarterbacks are having lately. So let's do it, Ed. Uh, we dissected him. We, we looked at a few games, and um, I want to find out from you. I mean, let's talk about his strengths. What does Jalen Hurts uh, do really well out there? Well, I, th- I think he's, uh, you know, he's he's a great running quarterback. I mean, he's... That's really what he does well. I mean, he's a prolific runner. Um, I think he, I think he, his accuracy has improved. Um, it's probably not at the level that I want it to be, but I think it's, I think it's improved. I think he has the decent arm strength. I think, uh, I think he has a decent ball. De- he has a decent deep ball. Um, le- I mean, let me go into the weaknesses because I, I do have some worries. About Jeez, that. Let's go with the strengths. I mean, is that it? The, the strengths end, end there, basically, with him being a good running quarterback, and he has improved his accuracy and his ball placement. Is that it? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I, okay, I, I, I just I, wanted to get it out there before we get to the weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you could say he has great pocket mobility, but, I mean, that, that that's pretty obvious. I mean, anyone could have told you that. I mean, you could have said that when he was at Alabama. Um, I mean, that's the that's the other pretty much strength that I'm seeing in him. Um, you know, so I, I guess. So let, let's talk about let, let's talk about a couple of really obvious strengths. I mean, almost like cliches, right? Jalen Hurts is a winner. He's been a winner in college. I mean, nobody is 
everywhere where he's been, whether it's at Alabama as a as a starting quarterback or as a backup quarterback, he's won. He's won a couple of championships. Uh, he obviously transferred to Oklahoma where he's hoping to do the same thing. So the winner part, that's going to be out there. It's almost like cliche. When people are going to talk about Jalen Hurts, they're going to say, man, he's a winner. People gravitate towards him. Obviously, another thing is he started a lot of games. He started 14 games as a true freshman at Alabama. He started 14 games as a sophomore. Uh, obviously, he got pulled in the national championship game and, and Tua was able to win that game. But he started those games. So it's 28 games. And this year, he will start 14 or 15 games as well. So that's going to be 40-plus starts. That's going to be huge for him. So the, the experience that he's had in the big games, in the SEC, and in the Big 12. So those are a couple of cliches that I want to throw out there before we trash Jalen Hurts. Or uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, he's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he's, he's a very good runner. But he is not at the same level as Lamar Jackson. He's not even at the same level as Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray was able to, to stop and go. He's... Almost like a running back. He was able to get to top speed quickly. Jalen Hurts is not like that. So it's unfair to um, compare Jalen Hurts to those two running quarterbacks. Because those guys were just faster. And uh, Hurts is a good running quarterback. But he's not amazing in that regard. So I just wanted to pump up Jalen Hurts a little bit before we start Talking about the weaknesses, Ed. Well, and let's start with well, that. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I want to argue with you uh, on one point. I mean, the, the point that you said you said about Lamar Jackson being a better prospect than Jalen Hurts. I mean, that... that <laughs> a better running quarterback. A better running quarterback, I said. I said that Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson were and are better running quarterbacks than Jalen Hurts right now coming out of college. I, I, I just feel... I, I no, Lamar Jackson is much faster, much more dangerous, kind of like Michael Vick was when he was coming out of Virginia Tech. And Kyler Murray, just his ability to accelerate so quickly and turn the corner, Jalen Hurts doesn't do that. He's got a good slashing style. He's a slashing runner. He can make people miss in the open field. But his speed is nowhere near what Lamar Jackson um, is and and what Kyla Murray is. But, but Lamar he's nowhere near a 4-3. But, but, I mean, but, he's not a 4-3 But Lamar Jackson quarter. wasn't embarrassing SEC teams. He wasn't embarrassing Big 12 teams. I mean, he's played on two great national stage teams. I mean, Louisville Louisville was good when Lamar Jackson was there, but they weren't they weren't the level that that Jalen Hurts was. So, I mean, I, 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 well, I mean, Jalen Hurts plays on a better team. I mean, when I remember, I don't remember, and we'll start, we'll continue with this argument. Louisville didn't have the supporting cast that Jalen Hurts had at Alabama or the supporting cast that he has at Oklahoma. Lamar Jackson was a one-man show on offense, Ed. He had to play great every game at Louisville. He rose that 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 program. But you could say the same. You could say the same thing about Jalen Hurts. I mean, the fact is, is that if you're a quarterback in the Big Twelve, you have to win games. No defense is going to win games for you in the Big Twelve. So I, I, you know, that they don't play defense in the Big Twelve, right? But the, I but mean, the fact is, realize is that, that this but, is the Big but Twelve. But if you're a quarterback in the Big Twelve, you have to win games for your team. I mean, it's expected of you. It's not. It's not like. It's not like you can rely on your defense like in the SEC and the ACC. But you do agree with me that Oklahoma has much better talent 
and then what Louisville had with Lamar Jackson was there, or at Alabama. I mean, that, we're not arguing that. The supporting cast is amazing. Jalen Hurts is supported by people that are going to play in the NFL. Half of that team is going to play in the NFL. But, and at Alabama, 90% of those people are going to play in the NFL. Lamar Jackson didn't have that on offense, unfortunately. He always had to outscore people. I remember that Louisville team. They played so poorly on defense, Lamar Jackson had to score like 50 or 60 points a game in order to, to survive. Everybody knew that he was coming, especially as a running quarterback, and he was still able to, to gain 150, 200 yards on the ground. So in, in that regard, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson... I, I Actually, I am. Lamar Jackson is a... I'm going to say this. He's a better prospect NFL prospect than Jalen Hurts is right now I just I was not impressed with what I saw in Jalen Hurts with all due respect he has become a better quarterback than what he was at Alabama and I put up I pulled up my scouting notes and I see that he is a much better prospect this year that Lincoln Riley has had an effect on him as far as accuracy as far as going through his progressions he looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket but there are a lot of things that worry me. This guy's not a first-round prospect by any means. I wouldn't even put him in the day two category right now. He is playing on a really, really good team. And I don't see him being a starting quarterback at the next level. See, this is where I disagree with you. I think Jalen Hurts is a first-round quarterback. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we'll go back We'll go back to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, I think Jalen Hurts is a better prospect than Lamar Jackson. And the fact is, is that if in the 2017 draft with all the quarterbacks that came out in 2017, who would you have taken at this point? I probably, looking back on it, the Ravens won that draft. We'll see. Again, it's Lamar Jackson is having a great year this year. It's a start to a great year. No, no question about it. But I want to see this over the long haul. I don't want to say like Baker Mayfield is in the Hall of Fame after his rookie season. I'm more of a guy, let's wait and see three or four years before we start making these judgments, you know, about these guys being great. You know, one day you're great and then Baker all of a sudden is a bust in his second year. There's some middle ground there. So Lamar Jackson had his high and lows as a rookie. He's having a great first half of the season in the NFL. Let's see what he does in the second half of the season before I start, you know, putting all my praise out there. I'm a wait and see guy. Give me a year. Give me two. And actually give me three or four years right now before I make a judgment on who is a bust. If we were to listen to the, all these talking heads out there and all these analysts, Jared Goff is a bust. Baker Mayfield is in the Hall of Fame. Sam Darnold is trash. Let's wait and see. So uh, before I make that type of judgment, Lamar Jackson is having a great year right now, this year. He led them to the playoffs last year as a rookie quarterback. It, that's great. That's great, Ed. He had a really, really good game running the football against the Seahawks. As far as throwing, I would argue with you. But <clears throat> again, Lamar Jackson still, with all due respect, was a better prospect coming out than Jalen Hurts is. Because Hurts still struggles working through those progressions. He's not accurate in the red zone. He makes too many throws off his back foot where he's just he's fading away and his arm strength isn't that great. He makes mistakes and bad throws. I want to go back to the Texas game because, again, I'm going to offend a lot of people, but I'm going to say this. In the Big 12, they don't play defense. So I'm going to take them against a team that has a good defense, and that's Texas this, this year. Texas against Oklahoma. Oklahoma won that game. But there are a lot of poor throws that Jalen Hurts made, especially in the red zone when those windows get tighter. Because Lincoln Riley's offense, it's pretty simple. 
he has guys running free. I mean, if you can't hit those guys, then I don't think you have, I don't think you have any business playing college uh, quarterback um, on this level. So a lot of open targets. But when in the red zone, when those windows get tighter, Jalen Hurts struggled against Texas. Threw a bad interception in the red zone on the run where he was fading away off his back foot. There were a couple of other instances that he should have thrown a pick. Texas dropped it. And bad decisions in the red zone, they're magnified. He's got to take care of the ball. He is making some bad decisions there. I don't care what he's doing against Texas Tech. I don't care what he's doing against UCLA. Those teams aren't good defensive teams. So I want to see him against a good defensive team like Texas. There are a lot of things that worry me. His mechanics are still inconsistent. And his field vision, when he has to work past that, that first primary receiver, it's still a struggle for him. So there, to me, that's not a first-round prospect. And to be honest with you, I didn't see Lamar Jackson as a first-round quarterback as well, even though, like you said, he's certainly surpassing those expectations right now. And right now, we look like idiots. We were wrong. So uh, maybe I'm wrong about Jalen Hurts, but Hurts is not a first-round quarterback right now when you look at the tape. Well, I, I, I am going to give you my concerns. I do think he's a first-round quarterback. But let me give you my concerns of why I want to put guys like Fromm and Burrow and Herbert and Tua ahead of him. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't want I want I don't want to say it's all good, it's all good with Jalen Hurts because there there are there are some concerns and the main ones I want to bring up. Um, you know, I think he has trouble fitting passes into tight windows. You know, this isn't a guy who this isn't a guy who is 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 basically completing these tight passes that are really difficult he has better accuracy but it's not it's not elite it's not it's not good enough to be uh you know an early first rounder um i don't think he reads through his progressions very well i think he takes a look and runs he's almost a little bit like a read option quarterback um that's what he is that's what he is if if his first primary target is uh not there he rolls out of the pocket, extends the play, and tries to look for that guy uh, while he is, you know, while he's extending the play. He's looking for that wide receiver to work back to him or get open downfield. That's that. That's not what an NFL quarterback does. That's not what he is. So he still looks to run or extend the play. He abandons that pocket once the the primary target is not there basically your your yours and my scouting report pretty much sound the same well i i will i will say that you know just another thing that i wanted to go into about um you know one thing that i like about lamar jackson better than i like about jalen hurts is i think on the deep ball i think that lamar jackson has better ball placement i don't really like jalen hurts's ball placement on the deep ball um, I think he needs to be more accurate on the deep ball, and I think that that could be the cause could be arm strength. But I just I don't see. I think you know he his really his really his biggest flaw is his accuracy. I mean that's 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 really if you want to boil it down to one thing. But yeah, I, I would like to see better ball placement on the deep ball. Well, that's the same concern that Lamar Jackson had when he was coming out of college. People had concerns about his accuracy, and obviously he's got he's become a better passer. And they're hoping that maybe Hertz will will do the same because obviously he's he has improved as a senior. But the thing is, I think this offense is making him look a lot better than what he is. I, I, I just 
I think I I do like Lamar Jackson. I do like Lamar Jackson's deep ball better. But I just I think I think that a guy like a guy like uh, Jalen Hurts. I think what he does is he, I think he'll be able to complete the intermediate pass better, and I think that's what makes him a little bit better prospect than Lamar Jackson. I think that the offense that Lincoln Riley has at Oklahoma <clears throat> makes those quarterbacks look a lot better than what they are. And I think Jalen Hurts is benefiting from it a lot more than Baker Mayfield was or Kyla Murray because those guys had better arms. And obviously they had a lot, you know, Baker had a lot more starts under his belt. Kyla Murray was just an exceptional athlete with a very strong arm. And so in my opinion, Hurts right now is benefiting from the fact that this offense is winning. They have a lot of good players. He's throwing to wide open targets. And again, for all those people that want to say like, hey, what are you talking about? Turn on the Texas tape. That's a good defense that really put some pressure on him when we saw some flaws in Jalen Hurts game. I don't want to talk about those, <clears throat> those teams that don't play defense in the Big 12. But if you want to see a real game where Jalen Hurts is struggling... It's, it's the Texas tape. And I want to see, I want to come back to it. Once Oklahoma continues to do well, I want to see how they do in the Big 12 championship game. I, if they get to the college football playoff, I'll be very curious to see what Jalen Hurts does against those fast teams like Alabama or, or Clemson or Ohio State. Those defenses that they can get to him. Uh, those defenses that can take away his primary read. So that's what I'm going to be looking at. Right now, to me, Jalen Hurts is not a first-round prospect. He's not even a day-two pick, to be honest with you. And that's a controversial statement, but I don't see that. I see him as a fourth, fifth-round prospect, and that's what he is. Because coming into the year, he was a free agent. So it's actually quite a compliment. To me, he was a free agent, like an undrafted guy coming into the year. Right now, I see him as a day-three prospect, an early day-three prospect, fourth, fifth-round controversial statements, say it or not, because there are a lot of sites out there that are putting them in the first round. I, I certainly don't see it. Well, I, uh, let, I, I mean, I think, I think it really, when you, when you want to break this debate down, it's, it's, it's a question of whether a running quarterback can function in the NFL. I think that's, I think that's really the debate we're having here. No, it's not that it's um, running quarterback has to be able to throw. Lamar Jackson has proven that he can throw the football. I have question marks about Jalen Hurts, where he, where, whether he can operate in a pro-style offense as a passer. I have no questions about him as a running quarterback, but put him at running back if he's a running quarterback. Can he function as a passer in a pro-style offense? My answer is no, even though he is, he's taking some steps this year that some people believe that he is, he's become a better passer. I do see it. I do see the improvements, but can he continue to get better? This is almost like a projection, Ed. Uh, Lamar Jackson has become better as a passer. Jalen Hurts showed signs that he can be a better passer during his senior year at Oklahoma. But can he continue to make those progressions and, and have that upside in the NFL? That, that's my question mark. I say his ceiling is what I'm seeing right now during senior year. Um, obviously, if, if people are projecting him as a first-round prospect like yourself, believe that with even more proper coaching in the NFL, that he can take his game even higher. I have my question marks about it. That's that that's my concern as a passer, not whether he can be 
a good running quarterback in the NFL because Lamar Jackson has proven that he's more than a runner. Let's move on to the defensive side. Uh, we're putting um, a Florida prospect under the microscope, a guy who's been injured this year quite a bit, but <clears throat> obviously he played against Miami to open up the season, and he played against LSU, but he's been injured in between. He missed a few games, and I was kind of bummed out about that. I was hoping to turn on and, and see a lot of him, but he's missed a few games. It's Jabari Zaniga, um, pass rusher from Florida. Uh, last year, obviously, Polite got a lot of the hype um, throughout the season. Um, but Zaniga was another guy that's, uh, that was making some waves last year, and some people believed that he was going to declare early. Uh, he decided to come back, and he's a senior this year, and hopefully he can, he can stay healthy and, and put in some consistent performances out there. What do you like about his game, Ed? Well, I love him as a run defender. I think I think he's a great run defender. Um, I I also think he has a really nice bull rush. This is a guy who has good power. Um, I I I really like I really like how uh, you know it says a lot about a guy when he you know he lines up inside on running downs and then lines up on the outside on pass rushing downs. I mean, it's it, it it shows that you know he's one of the elite defensive linemen on a really good Florida team. So that that's something that impresses me. Um, I think he gets off blocks well. I think he has good effort. I think he has a good first step. Um, I think he can be in a four-three front. I think you know if they want to take a, a defensive lineman off the field, I think he can be kind of one of the three that stay on the field. I think he can kind of move inside. Um, I don't like him as much as a three-four kind of defensive end. I like him more in a four-three on the end, and then maybe moving inside. Um, you know, if they, if they want to take a, if they want to take a defensive lineman off and put in a cornerback or something like that. Um, but if you like him in a four, three, do you think he's got to get bigger and he's about 240, 245. I'm not saying that every guy has got to be like 265 or something like that, but he's got to get up to at least 255 in order to stay in a four, three defense. He's just going to be too small, like six, three, 245. That's kind of brutal. To be honest with you, that's well. You look at you look at that's kind of borderline. You know, that's borderline territory out there. Most teams, most teams would prefer to have a guy who's about two fifty five, two sixty. But you know, if you but if you look at his game, I mean, he has plenty of power. I mean, he's overpowering guys in the SEC. So, I and, and you know, and against Miami. So, I, I I really I really don't think that that size is really the problem for him on tape, at least in the college game. Yeah, but we're projecting him to the NFL where he's going to go against tackles for about like 320. I mean, that's a little bit different. He's going to get blown off the ball. Look, in the SEC, they've got really talented bookends, and those tackles usually get to the NFL. But the thing is, I mean, the NFL is a different animal. And that's why I think his body says to me that he's going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker in a, in a 3-4 scheme. It just it makes too much sense. I mean, he's got a quick first step off the snap. It's just... A little bit inconsistent. I mean, there's some there's some times that he's getting off the ball so quickly that a tackle can't get his hands on him. And there are other times that he's the last defensive end off the ball. So he's just inconsistent off the snap. Uh, but he's an active hand fighter. Um, I wish, to be honest with you, you said he's a good run defender. But I wish he would disengage from the block a lot quicker than what he does. I mean, he fights the, the, the tackle, but it's not like he's getting off there. 
Usually he's like beating the guy off the edge with his quick first step. And that, that's what I saw. I saw a guy that struggled to disengage. So I, I see it differently. I, I saw a guy who was making plays in the run game. Um, I, I actually like the way he gets off blocks. Um, you know, the, I, I think we're just seeing different things on tape. That's... No, he's making plenty of plays. He's making plenty of plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he's getting penetration. He's he's causing havoc behind the line of scrimmage. Not only in the uh, against the quarterback, but in the run game as well. But that that's not a question mark. It's just I want if you say that he has all this power, he's got to disengage so quickly from these offensive tackles or offensive guards, and he's not doing that on every play. And that's. Again, I see him strictly as a 3-4 outside linebacker because, to me, that's just he has that body type. And uh, I think he has the athleticism and he has a quick first step. And uh, we'll see what his athletic numbers are, but I think he's going to be fine there. And uh, if you're 6'3", 245, you're destined to play 3-4 outside linebacker at the next level. And I think those are the teams that are going to be interested in him. And I guess that, that's what we're seeing differently. Um, let's move on to the NFL, Ed. Um, trades continue to, to happen at a rapid pace. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we've had a few trades here lately as well. And let's talk about what the Detroit Lions did. I'm kind of surprised by this, to be honest with you. But they, they made a surprising move. I don't know. Maybe Quandre Diggs was in the doghouse uh, with Matt Patricia. I mean, obviously, I saw that the Lions were struggling against the, the pass, against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings this past weekend. I saw that game, and they gave up a lot of points to, to Kirk Cousins, who, who was struggling, uh, you know, f- through the first four or five games of the season. Uh, Quandre Diggs was traded to Seattle. Uh, the Lions sent him in a 2021 seventh-round draft pick to the Seahawks, in exchange for a fifth-round pick in 2020. What do you think about this move? I understand the move for the Seahawks. The Seahawks have injuries out there at the safety position. A lot of guys have been down, but I just, I'm curious. I mean, a guy who has been your slot corner early in the beginning, you know, when he was a rookie, then he moved to safety, and he's played pretty well there. Seems like he's been one of the leaders of the defense and uh, a popular guy in the locker room because a lot of people are saying, like, what is this? I mean, why are the Lions making this move? A lot of guys were making comments on on Twitter from his team, like, we can't believe that Quandre Diggs is is traded. So what's going on here, Ed? Well, I don't think think Quandre Diggs is having a very good year, a very good 2019, and I think that's why he got he got moved and you saw this you, you know I see a lot of what the Lions are doing is a lot of you know sort of what Bill Belichick would do is that you know as soon as a player starts to decline he's out you know whether no matter what kind of name he was or you know how much guaranteed money the Patriots just said once you decline you're done and I think this is exactly what they're doing with Quandre Diggs it's interesting though last year he made the Pro Bowl and he had his best year as a pro and he's still a young guy. And the Lions thought very highly of him. I mean, they gave him an extension. He's in the first year of his three-year deal. They gave him an $18.6 million extension that he signed in September of 2018. So, obviously, there was no guaranteed money on his contract after the season. But I'm just very surprised that they moved on so quickly from him after giving him an extension. 
I mean, obviously, they thought very highly of him in terms of being a key player in, in the secondary. As far as the Seahawks, I understand the move. They've got a lot of injuries there, and obviously, they gave up some big plays against the Ravens uh, in the past game, and it, it makes sense that, that Pete Carroll would want Quandre Diggs on, on his team. Um, Denver, uh, they traded Emmanuel Sanders to San Francisco. Uh, Denver Broncos get uh, 2020 third round and fourth round draft picks. Um, San Francisco, sent, obviously, you know, they got Emmanuel Sanders and they sent, no, 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 I, I, yeah, I want to do, do this again. Denver, Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos get 2020 third and fourth round draft picks. San Francisco gets Emmanuel Sanders and the 2020 fifth round draft pick. What do you think about this move? The Niners obviously needed, um, you know, a bigger wide receiver, a game breaker on the outside for Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I mean, I think this is a great move. I think this makes sense for both sides, but I think this is a great move for the 49ers because they really lack a number one receiver. And yeah, Emmanuel Sanders isn't what he was a couple of years ago, but you get them a number one receiver, which is exactly what they're missing. This is the year to go for it if you're the 49ers. You, you're playing great football. You haven't had this many good years. Why not go for it and get a guy like Emmanuel Sanders? And really, they didn't give up a lot. I mean, they're still getting a fifth-round pick back, and they're still getting, you know, so, so it's like I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I think, I think this was a great move. I understand why the Broncos traded them. The Broncos are, are ready to stock up their draft picks. You know, they got the Devin Bush picks from the Steelers. They got, you know, they got some picks from the 49ers. So, I, I think I think it it really makes sense for both sides, but I really if, if there's a one winner of this trade, I would say it's the 49ers because now they now they have that one a go to receiver. Well, Sanders is not going to scare anybody on the outside, but he's much better than what the 49ers had on their current roster. Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel is still learning the NFL game. Um, obviously, they've got Marquise Goodwin is they're like number one wide receiver on the outside, but his numbers are just but it's not that good. And all you got is George Kittle as a tight end. So you need somebody to threaten on the outside. Emmanuel Sanders can stretch the defense. And uh, that's one thing that he's done. Obviously, the Denver Broncos are moving on because Cortland Sutton is coming on for them. And uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, they, they get a third and fourth round draft pick next year. So that's a pretty good move for both teams. And I'm glad that the Niners did this. I, I heard that they were looking for Mohamed Sanu. But that certainly didn't happen. He went to another team. We'll address it in a few seconds. And uh, Bovada has the 49ers at minus six against the Panthers this weekend. Uh, the 49ers remain the only unbeaten team in the NFC. So let's talk about the only unbeaten team in the AFC, Ed. It's the New England Patriots. They made Sam Darnold look like a high school quarterback. I mean, that defense was great getting after him and uh, forcing him into those turnovers. And uh, obviously, the, the Patriots didn't stop there. They, uh, they decided to trade. I mean, they were a little bit short in, in the wide receiver department. They've got injuries there. And um, the Atlanta Falcons get 2020 second-round draft pick. And the New England Patriots get Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons. Well, I like this pick for the for the Patriots. I think this gives them a one-two punch at receiver. I think they wanted this in Antonio Brown. They didn't get it. Now they have now they have two guys they can put in a slot. I mean, imagine imagine just 
you know, in a four receiver set, I mean, if you put, if you put on one side, you have Edelman in the slot and then on the other side in a four receiver set, you have Muhammad Sanu. I mean, that, 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 that's just, that's just how the Patriots win is they win matchups and that's exactly how you win a matchup. So I like this pick for the Patriots. Um, the Falcons, they're rebuilding for the future. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I mean, if, if we're talking about stock up, stock down, you know, the Falcons stock is, 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 is falling right now. Um, they are, they aren't what they were a couple of years ago. No, they really aren't. Probably the, the biggest surprise uh, of this NFL season. I mean, this team just looks like crap, especially on defense. Look, we know that they've got Matt Ryan, they've got Julio Jones, they've got some weapons on offense, but on defense, I mean, your head coach takes over the play calling duties and the defense looks worse than what it did last year. And it's just, it's unexcusable knowing that your head coach is a defensive-minded type of guy, and he can't figure this out. As far as the Patriots, I mean, you had Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers starting against the Jets. Uh, obviously, they've got injuries. Julian Edelman is hurt. Nikhil Harry is hurt. Um, and they, they had to do this. And it seems like Mohamed Sanu is somebody that Bill Belichick has had a lot of affection for because he tried to trade for him, tried to sign him actually before he signed with the Falcons in 2016. He tried to sign him with the Patriots. That that didn't happen. Obviously, he gets him here in the trade, another go-to guy. I, I like Mohamed Sanu because he could be a difference maker in the playoffs. And obviously the Patriots, again, the only unbeaten team in the AFC right now. So it's looking pretty good, Ed. It really is. Uh, let's talk about Probably the biggest news this past weekend, as far as NFL goes, said uh, Patrick Mahomes going down. It was he wasn't a hundred percent. You know, the the Chiefs have made it known that Mahomes is playing with an injury. It was fourth and one, and Andy Reid decides to go with the QB sneak. And obviously, it just it, it didn't turn out too well. A lot of people feared that it was going to be a lot worse. It sounds like he's going to be out for three weeks. Yeah, I, I, you know, it looked and it, and it was very painful for Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's it's a dislocated kneecap. I mean, they, they have a fancier medical name for it. But I mean, he really dislocated his kneecap, which is extremely painful and you have to feel bad for him. But I think I think he comes back in three or four weeks. And I, I, I'm, I'm not really too worried about the Chiefs. I, I really feel like they, they are the team of the AFC West. And so, you know, maybe they have a little bit of a slide the next couple of weeks, but I, I, I'm, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. No, I'm not worried about him either. But now you've got Matt Moore as your starting quarterback. Obviously, you're going to have to change the offense a bit. This isn't Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to run the football, control the clock and play good defense. And the Chiefs defense was terrific against the Denver Broncos. I mean, they had like nine sacks, which was like a franchise record. But this was against Joe Flacco and that Denver Broncos shoddy offensive line. I mean, they're, they're going to play some real offenses. They've got the Green Bay Packers this week. And then they've got the Minnesota Vikings coming up in the beginning of November. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. That defense is going to be tested. And I hope that they raise up their game the, the way they, they did against the Broncos. But again, the Packers aren't the Broncos, right, Ed? Well, yeah, that I, I, I mean, if, if you if you if you simplify it that way, you're right. But I, 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 I still I still think the Packers I think the Packers will win this game. But I mean, 
you know, there, there's 16 games. I mean, that you, you can lose a few, and I think I think that I just don't see I just don't see really like who who in the AFC West is really going to take over the Chiefs. I mean, the Chargers aren't as good this year. The Broncos are, you know, in the in the in the basement basically, and the Raiders have looked good, but I mean. I, do you really think the Raiders are ready to be the AFC West champions? No, I still have the Chiefs. But the thing is, when Mahomes comes back, say after three weeks, the way the Chiefs hope, um, he's still not going to be 100% during that first game. So it's going to be interesting. The, the offense isn't going to be operating at full speed. And right now, they got to find some answers. I hope that defense continues to roll it's been better the past couple of weeks. It was great against the Denver Broncos. Uh, I hope that the, the Chiefs can win in, in other ways. It's only going to serve them well come playoff time because we know what Mahomes is. We know he's a very good quarterback. But the thing is, the Chiefs will need to play great defense in order to, to challenge for the Super Bowl, especially against the Patriots. So I think they're going to be fine. But the next couple of weeks, it, it's going to be a test uh, against the Packers and the uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, the Packers, according to Bovada, are the, the favorites uh, against the Chiefs. They're away, and I was kind of surprised. I mean, the line was minus five. Uh, it's only because, I guess, the Chiefs are playing at home. It, it's a tough environment to play in Arrowhead Stadium. We know it's one of the, the loudest stadiums out there. So I was, I was kind of surprised that the Packers were only favored by uh, minus five in this game. But that's that. That's the big game to to watch this week. This weekend, I mentioned the Panthers versus the 49ers uh, before. So let's talk about the two trades that happened previously, Ed. Uh, you you mentioned that you watched the Ravens against the Seahawks, and you were impressed with uh, what Marcus Peters was able to do. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Marcus Peters had a good game, and he had you know a big interception return. Um, you know, I just, I just really think it really comes down to mentality for Marcus Peters. It seems like, you know, he gets a new start with these teams and he starts out really good and then he just starts to, starts to fade out and, and you know, being, playing the cornerback position is so mentally tough. I mean, you know, from, from the neck down, I mean, he's, he's, he's as talented as a corner as any, I mean, you, you'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's just got to keep his head in the game and that's been, the major question mark with him. I think the Chiefs found that out. They never questioned Marcus Peters on the field. You know, obviously the the Rams, the the mental mistakes and him fighting receivers. You mentioned that before. Marcus Peters, hopefully he he he'll stay clean and and continue to play well for the for the Baltimore Ravens. I wanted to mention Jalen Ramsey. You and I talked about it last week, and it was uncertain whether he was going to play because of a back injury and he only practiced like twice when he was with the Rams before week seven matchup. But Ramsey came off the bench on, on third down in the opening series and just maintained constant presence defending one of the best receivers in the game and Julio Jones. And Julio Jones only finished with six catches and 93 yards. And, uh, a couple of those catches were in the fourth quarter when Ramsey was already resting with, with the rest of the starters on, on defense. So Ramsey finished with four tackles and a forced fumble in the debut. So I I thought it was a great game for uh, for Jalen Ramsey opening opening game with the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams are a good team. I mean they're 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 kind of they're kinda of behind some good teams in in the NFC West, but that's that's a very good division and 
And so, I mean, I could even I could even see both wild cards coming out of the NFC West. A big game last weekend was the Cowboys playing against the Eagles. Obviously, a lot of people were looking forward to that game because whoever won that game would take hold of the NFC East. And NFC East is doesn't look like a good division right now. It doesn't. With the Washington Redskins, the New York Giants, and obviously the Eagles are trying, but their secondary doesn't look good. And, and that defense is not what it used to be. Tyron Smith came back at left tackle. Amari Cooper came back. And the Cowboys looked energized. And they were able to uh, to beat the Eagles uh, pretty handily in that game. Yeah, I mean the cowboy. The Cowboys did look good. Uh, I, 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 I can't. I can't disagree with the fact that they are. They are probably the worst division in in football right now. But you know, this was this was a big game. It was on prime time. Both teams were three and three. And you know, now 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 the Cowboys are not only the team in first place, but they're only the they're the only team that has a winning record. Yeah, that's that's still a wide open division. Obviously, the Eagles. I'm sure they'll get it together. Peterson will, will come out with some things. I'm sure they'll fight till the end. But the Cowboys do look like the, the favorites right now in the in the NFC East. But even though they lost those three games, they need to, to get back. And, and they did it against the Eagles. They, they definitely made a statement. Um, let's get to the closing statements, Ed. It's that part of the show where you and I come out with, with a few strong statements at, at the end of the show. So what's your closing statement? Well, I'm going to take a controversial opinion. I know a lot of football fans do not like that, you know, how aggressively the league calls penalties on quarterbacks. But the fact of the matter is, is that these quarterbacks mean a lot to the league, mean a lot to the brand, and mean a lot to essentially, you know, the the, the, the competitiveness of the league. I mean, it's a quarterback league. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is just the latest example you know using him in a qb sneak you know now now we're pretty much you know we're looking at a league with a lot of quarterback injuries you know we don't have cam newton we don't have ben roethlisberger we don't have patrick mahomes so you know the league takes a hit when these when these injuries happen so that's why that's why you know it may it may not be fair to these you know pass rushers that they really can't hit the quarterback but you know what the fact is is we have to protect the quarterback because they are our league it's tough to watch an NFL game nowadays. I think we talked about it in previous shows. Um, so many penalties, Ed. This isn't only about pass rushers not being able to hit the quarterback and, and those flags flying on the ground. It's just too many flags across the league. It's tough to be a defensive player. Obviously, it's all about the offense. It's all about the quarterback. But they're just way too many penalties in the NFL. And for me, a fan of 20, 30 years who's watched the NFL in in the late 1980s, early 1990s, and nowadays, it really is tough to watch. And I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one in this corner. And and sometimes I just, I turn off the TV because I see like five or six straight flags on consecutive plays. And a lot of them are questionable calls. Even if you call the game tighter, um, as some NFL, you know, NFL referees do. It, obviously, they're different. Um, but it's just, it's tough, Ed, for a football fan like myself. So many penalties 
They're just they're setting records the past couple of years, and it's just it's tough. It really is tough, and I hope they do something to to clean it up because if it's going to be worse than what it is right now, I'm not going to watch the NFL on Sundays, and we'll we won't do the NFL part on this show. Bold statement. <laughs> No, it's just it really is tough. Like I said, for a fan that has watched the the game, college football and the NFL for so long, it's just, it's brutal, Ed. It it slows the game down and it just doesn't allow them to play football. My definition of football. Maybe they should start playing flag football like I played in junior high. And when we couldn't tackle anybody and we just pull off the flag. I don't have a problem with that. Let's do that. No hitting, no sacks, pull off the flag, that's it. You know, we, we start sucking down. I, I think, to me, the definition of the NFL right now is starting to look like flag football, like a, what I played in junior high, to be honest with you. My definition. Uh, my closing statement is uh, about SMU. We, we talk about Power 5 conferences a lot on this show, and I wanted to mention a team that, that's not getting a lot of attention right now. It's the SMU Mustangs. They're coached by... Uh, Sonny Dykes, they're 7-0 and this year. They just beat a really good Temple team this past weekend, 45-21. to They've improved to 7-0, and and they're, they're continuing to roll. They, they've got a big game against Houston this weekend, and then they, they play against Memphis net the following weekend. So we'll see what happens there. But so far, SMU, they're just they're, they're pulling out all the stops. One of the best stories this year, in my opinion, um, Shane Buschel, uh, who has transferred from Texas, he's having a good year. Uh, he was a Texas transfer, and Sonny Dykes is in his second season. Last year they were five and seven. This year they're seven and zero. Oh. If Sonny Dykes' name sound familiar to an average football fan, he had some su- success with Louisiana Tech uh, first three years. Then he moved on to Cal. He coached Jared Goff, and never got off the ground. I think. There was one winning season in, in four years for him. He got fired. He's moved on to SMU, and he's building something there. So who knows? Maybe he'll resurface again in, uh, in, in a big power school. But Sonny Dykes should be a college football. Um, he, he should be a head coach of the year right now. Not a candidate. He should be the front runner the way he's got SMU rolling. Uh, that was my closing statement. We'll, we'll end it on a good note. This was Blitzcast number 79. Thank you for listening. Take care.